The Trudeau government plans to remove religious symbols from Canada's royal coat of arms. A union member is accusing her union of pushing Alberta NDP talking points and misrepresenting UCP leader Daniel Smith. Two independent reports reveal that Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley's plan to mandate a net zero electricity grid by 2035 is the most expensive promise in Alberta political history. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, May 4th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The Trudeau government is set to replace Christian and religious symbols on the crown adorning Canada's royal coat of arms with snowflakes, stars, and maple leaves. As reported by the National Post John Iveson, the new but yet to be officially unveiled quote Trudeau crown unquote is already facing criticism, with liberals being accused of politicizing the symbol. Sources who have seen the Canadian heraldic authority's new design say the St. Edward's Cross which has been part of the Royal Coat of Arms of Canada since 1957, has been removed. The fleur-de-lis has also been replaced with secular objects. Author and historian Christopher McCreary told the National Post, quote, The proposed Canadian crown is totally unconnected to the king or the coronation, and it means the unity of the symbol of the royal crown that represents the sovereign throughout the realms will be broken, further distancing the king and the monarchy as an institution. In essence, it is akin to a new national flag being raised on Canada Day, with no consultation or debate, developed in secret by those who wish to advance their personal vision of the country. Lindsay, this is a really interesting story. I especially think that McCreary's comments at the end were very important here. He's basically saying, you know, this was done in secret and there was no consultation given to the Canadian public for them to have their say on what they wanted the new design to look like. Do you think that was a mistake on the part of the government? Should Canadians have been consulted and been able to contribute their own thoughts on what they wanted this to look like? Well, it does feel like blindsiding. This is kind of coming out of nowhere, and we don't even get to see what this design looks like at this point. Um, We've just kind of read a description of it in the National Post. Now, it seems that we went through a similar controversy in 1994 when they added some Latin to the coat of arms. Um, They added the phrase desiring a better country or they desire a better country. So that was added in and there was kind of um, a big debate at the time about it and people saying, uh, you know, Canadians do need to be consulted. We can't just add this. Um, But in the end, I think it proved to be a worthy addition. But with this case, we're not really adding something. Uh, It seems we're, we're changing, you know, specifically religious symbols. Again, we haven't seen the design yet. But in this case, we're kind of taking away rather than adding something. Absolutely. And I suspect that there would be a fair number of Canadians who are upset by this design, who feel that it's just indicative of this government and society's push to sort of rewrite history and forget where we came from and, you know, try to move away from our roots. So I suspect there is going to be some outrage over the new design. However, there is usually outrage over these types of things. I mean, for myself, even as a kid, I always thought it was a little bit funny that we had things like maple leaves and, you know, beavers as our national figures. Um, I guess it's sort of cute, you know, sort of Canadian, but I feel like we could do a little bit better than that. 
It, it strikes me that this is just the latest in our continuation of diversity, equity, inclusion above all else. I think ultimately the justification would come down to uh, we're not a Christian country anymore, people would argue, because now we're a diverse country. We, we have people from everywhere here. Uh, so that would probably be kind of the, the underlying argument towards the change. A Dynalife employee is accusing the Health Sciences Association of Alberta, the HSAA, of misrepresenting United Conservative Party leader Daniel Smith to push Alberta NDP talking points and a, quote, self-serving agenda. Carrie Chatton, who's paid union dues to the HSAA for over 20 years, sent her union execs an email saying she feels the need to educate them because they are portraying one side of the debate on Alberta's healthcare crisis in communication to union members. Chatton said the union should be nonpartisan and give the best political information, meaning to fairly represent both the UCP and NDP platforms and allow members to choose freely without interference. HSAA is a trade union which represents approximately 29,800 members. It did not immediately respond to a request for comment from True North. One recent HSAA email to union members accused Smith of pushing, quote, dangerous for-profit healthcare instead of real solutions to the crisis. The union said Dynalife is an example of the, quote, harms of privatization, with patients reporting long waits since the company took over. In her response, Chatton said the union is not accurately portraying the situation with Dynalife. The company has only just stepped in to fix a disaster created long ago. She also noted that HSAA has represented Dynalife employees in Edmonton for years, but is now demonizing the company. What's going on here, Rachel? Unions have long been accused of being too left-wing, and I think in this case we have someone who just had finally had enough of the communication they were receiving from their unions, and they felt that it was so biased and so partisan in the direction of the Alberta NDP. You know, I think this was a pretty brave stance from this Dynalife employee to send her union this email, sort of put a target on her back, and then also to freely send it to the media and, you know, have us report on it. Um, I think that, you know, Carrie Chatton just really felt like she couldn't handle what she was seeing and she was just feeling so frustrated with it. And when you look at the full letter, it was actually very strongly worded. At one point she was saying, the agenda you are pushing is completely self-serving and I sure hope that your members start seeing the charade if they don't already. And, you know, another part of the letter, she actually said shame on you to her union and said that they were fear mongering. And certainly healthcare is such a big topic in Alberta right now headed into the election. But our healthcare is in a really bad state right now. And it certainly was that case when Danielle Smith became premier. And I think the argument that Chatton is making here is, of course, everything isn't fixed. She's only been premier for a couple months ahead of this election campaign. But she just felt like the communication from her union was so biased and anti Danielle Smith, blaming her for the healthcare crisis that's been ongoing in the province for years now. And she just was so frustrated with that and felt the need to take a stand. So it's a really interesting story. I think a lot of people have been suspicious about unions for a long time. And this employee here is sort of exposing some of those concerns. Yeah, I remember when I was in, you know, in grad school doing my master's, I was paying attention to what the teaching unions and even the graduate student unions and student unions for undergrads also, what kind of communications they were putting out. And it was, you know, they always feel the urge to put out these really slanted statements that obviously, you know, all of their members wouldn't agree with. You know, some examples would be um, statements against Trump, you know, even though we're in Canada, 
or statements saying that, you know, controversial events on campus shouldn't go ahead. And they always feel at liberty to to take these positions and really not represent what all of the membership thinks. Um, and so it, it kind of makes me think, you know, I've never been a part of a union and I do see sometimes, you know, their, their aims as worthy in terms of wages and benefits. But then I don't sympathize with this aspect of what these unions always do, which is make these political statements that are so slanted. Well, absolutely. And I mean, how disheartening is that? Every single paycheck, some of your money goes off to go to the union fees. And then you have a union that you feel like is not representing you or your values. In fact, so much so the opposite, where it's actually pushing an ideological stance that you disagree with. I just think that would be so frustrating. And that's sort of what Shatton gets at here. She says, listen, I support the UCP. That's my personal bias. I'm not asking you to campaign for the UCP. I'm not asking you to promote Danielle Smith. But I am asking you to show both sides of the story. If you want to provide union members with material and information and news, you need to at least give both sides of the story and not be so one-sided all the time. And to be honest, I don't really understand the argument for unions needing to get involved in the politics here. I think they should be above that. I think they should do the things that you just mentioned, which is advocate for workers and for labor rights. But this is them, you know, taking that a step further and becoming so entrenched in politics. And it gives people kind of a uncomfortable feeling. And certainly with the employees that are more conservative minded, they're frustrating that they're essentially funding this type of rhetoric. UCB candidates Brian Jean and Rebecca Schultz have unveiled two independent reports revealing that Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley's plan to mandate a net zero electricity grid by 2035 is the most expensive promise in Alberta political history. Reports in question come from independent econometrics firm Navius Research and Alberta Electric System Operator. The UCP claims that both reports found that if Nolly could meet her 2035 target, the cost to Alberta's economy and ratepayers would be $87 billion, while power bills for families and businesses would increase by 40% more than they otherwise would. Jean said the plan is unrealistic and, quote, dangerous, unquote, to the long-term health and viability of Alberta's economy. Notley committed to moving the province's electricity grid to net zero by 2035 ahead of the NDP's weekend convention back in June 2021. In response to the UCP's announcement, Notley said the study is, quote, flawed in many different ways. The UCP's announcement and the reports have been highly debated since they were publicized yesterday. In response to the UCP announcement, Navius Research said on Twitter that the $35 billion in their report already accounts for the investment estimated in the ASO report. They said, quote, the cost to Alberta's economy reported in the media today is more than double what our model suggests it will be. In response, president of the Alberta Institute, Peter McCaffrey, said Navius is the one who are mixed up about the report. He said the UCP didn't say the cost to the economy would be $87 billion, which would be incorrect. But McCaffrey explained that spending $52 billion would cost an extra $35 billion in lost GDP. That's for a total of $87 billion. The UCP War Room later released a tweet clarifying the issue, saying that spending $52 billion as ASO identifies to decarbonize the electricity sector between now and 2040 results in a cumulative reduction in Alberta's GDP of about $35 billion. 
and Navia said they agreed with this explanation. So Lindsay, there's been a lot of debate over this story, certainly a lot of back and forth on Twitter. You know, I'm kind of wondering at this point if the debates over the report and whether the UCP got it right, got it wrong, has distracted from what they were actually trying to say here. And I feel like even though Navius was maybe just being really particular about the wording, as people who write studies often are, sounds like the UCP didn't get it too wrong. It just the firms didn't like their exact wording of the situation. But how easy would it have been for the UCP just to make sure that the people who had written the studies were on side with their announcement ahead of it? I feel like that could have avoided a lot of this online drama. Right. It, it does kind of seem like squabbling over the wording when in the end, I would have to agree with what president of the Alberta Institute, Peter McCaffrey said, in the end, we're looking at the figure of 87 billion, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They had sort of just added up the two reports on their own to say the initial cost will be $52 billion, but that's going to cost $35 billion in lost GDP. That totals $87 billion, but there's just been so much haggling over the report now at this point, And I think that's distracted from the issue at hand here. It is interesting that this you know, this, uh, the province's electricity grid is supposed to be net zero by 2035. That's what Notley wants. It coincides with Trudeau's, um, every car has to be electric by 2035. And when you think about it, this is coming up really soon, um, 12 years. This is like world changing. Well, and that's exactly one of the things that the UCP attacked Notley for. They're saying, you know, she's on side with the Trudeau government's policies, which are very unpopular here in Alberta, as you can imagine. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.